Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, episode 185, Ranger Command interview, catching up with Ryan Parrott, recorded on July 9th, 2021. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. It's time to Ranger up with your host, I'm Eric, also known as b 47 Once again, we are welcoming back Ryan Parrott to the podcast. He is best known in Ranger Nation as the writer for Boom Studios' Go-Go Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the MMPR TMNT miniseries, and the currently running Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers ongoing series. Some of his other comic works include Dead Day and Death to the Army of Darkness. Welcome back to Ranger Command, Ryan. Thank you for having me, man. 185? Holy moly. That's that's a lot. That's impressive. Oh, thanks. That's not even counting like all of our extra episodes that we do for our patrons. So... Well done. I'm into like the 200s. Holy moly. That's that's the way you do it, right? That's how you build an audience is like you, you got it. It's consistency. It's exactly. uh, well done. Bravo. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So yeah, last time we had you on the show was uh, last November and we were discussing the launch of, of the new ongoings with Mighty Morphin 1 and, and Power Rangers 1. I just wanted to ask, how's your... 2021 been so far <laughs> um I'm, i've been it's been a lot man uh i was actually it's funny as you were reading off all of my my credits and titles i was like you know the next thing i should do is four series and one's called mighty and one's <laughs> called morphin and one's called power and one's just called rangers use the hell out of people uh it's like a four cover explosions yeah but uh no 2021 has been um good uh you know obviously we're mm-hmm. all getting out of the things are starting to click back in the normal which is nice um I got a dog, which is, uh, he, he's the cutest dang thing in the whole wide world and, uh, makes it so I don't sleep very well, but, um, but he's, he's been a nice little, he's made me a, become an adult, which is great. Writing wise. I, I think I got to learn how to make shorter runs. Um, cause like I was thinking about this, I was like, go, go was like 20 something pay, 20 issues or maybe 30 issues or something like that before it changed. Yeah. And then every run after that has just been like 46 issues. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> You can do a six-issue run, Ryan. It's okay. It's like, thank God. They, the only reason Turtles is, is five is because they were like, these are all the pages you get. I was like, I got more. But yeah, I just, I really got to learn how to do shorter runs of comic books so that this thing, I just realized it's like, this uh, unlimited power is like, it's like 24 issues now because it's oh my 12. Gosh. And I'm just like, oh, dude, we're not even close to being done here. Like, it's just like, I just keep, I think I, I've approached writing them like TV shows and uh-huh. they just keep, they just keep going. So in the future, I'll do better as, as making smaller, <laughs> shorter runs. Well, I just posted the preview for Power Rangers 9, that boom release, like the first look or whatever. And now they're calling it the era of unlimited power. We're, we're in era now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah it's like it's it, the trade paperback's going to be unlimited powers part one of seven you're like what the hell man good lord it's like the it's bible a lot of power it's unlimited yeah that's the point right it just keeps going yeah it's in the name <laughs> well before we we get into talking about mighty Morphin and, and power rangers i want to touch on both power rangers unlimited comics with air to darkness and and edge of darkness which have tied into your series with Air to Darkness, 
it was a lead into the Onyx issues for Power Rangers uh, five and six. Mm-hmm. And with Edge of Darkness, it was actually a follow up to Power Rangers eight. So I wanted to ask, how much did you get to work with the writers like L.L. McKinney, Frank Gogol to connect those plot points or what was kind of like the planning process to line those stories up? Yeah. Well, when we, when we started writing, like when I was working on sort of the outline for Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers, like there, we knew pretty quickly sort of were two slots. Basically it was sort of like, um, we knew astronomer was going to show up in, oh man, I have so many books and I lose track. I think astronomer shows up in Power Rangers five or yeah, five. five and yeah, six. thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lose track sometimes. So, but yeah, power. And she she shows up. We knew we were going to have her show up in that spot. And so mm-hmm. when we when I did that, uh, Daphne, my editor, was like, you know, this is a really popular character. We'd love to try and find ways to because the thing that I've really enjoyed about what what Daphne and Boom has been doing with sort of those two specific books is they it's like they want to keep fleshing out the Power Ranger universe, but they want right. to do it in a way that supports the ongoing narrative. They don't want to just they, they want to try and keep everything tied together in one sort of string. Mm-hmm. And so when they said, you know, we like we'd love to do some stuff with astronomer and use it as a way to sort of dig into who she was and and find some areas in her in her world that we haven't seen before that the show wasn't able to dick, talk about or whatever. And so they kind of, she kind of came to me and says, hey, we're going to have it happen five. I'm going to start looking for a writer to do to do this thing. And I and I was like, great, go with God. Like, she, I was like, I wasn't really involved in sort of the 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 story of it all. That was like, mm-hmm. that was kind of their own thing. But like they she basically said, you know, Daphne was like, it's not going to interfere with what you're doing. It's it uh, you, you will send it to you early and you can read it. And if there's any problems you have, you know, let us know. And so I got a really early draft of the script and taught and read it. And was like, this is great. This is awesome. It's a really nice little stuff. And it ties in together well. And so. Um, that was the way that one worked. And then with, with Frank, I've known Frank for a little while. Uh, it's okay. funny. I'm, I've met him. I've met him, I think, at one of the conventions. He was like, I'd love to do Power Rangers someday. I was like, well, maybe you will. And he did. It was awesome. And <laughs> I, I remember I got an email from, I got, Daph was like, oh, I'm meeting with uh, Frank Gogol. I was like, oh, I know Frank. He's a great guy. And I go, he's a big Power Ranger fan. He's going to have a lot to say. And she's like, he does have a lot to say. And, uh, <laughs> and that, if he hears this, I, I love him. He's great. We actually had him on the show. Oh, great. Yeah, we we interviewed him for Edge of Darkness, and yeah, the guy knows his Power Rangers. He does. Sure. He knows. He he he's. I've actually pulled him aside uh, once or twice and been like, "Hey, so this is what I'm kind of thinking about doing," and he's been like, "Okay, I would do this. I wouldn't do that." I was like, "Great." So it's it's nice because the minute he got to do the to <laughs> do was it uh, Edge of Darkness, I was like, "Oh, good, somebody I can talk to about what I'm doing." <laughs> I'm, sometimes I'm like in a little bubble and I don't get to talk to anybody. But uh, his story was was a little bit different because mm. they wanted to use that one. It was it was with Astronema. That character was gonna be in our run, and so they found a way to sort of go into her past. And with Phantom Ranger, they wanted to do a Phantom Ranger book, and they were yeah. looking for a place to sort of link into. And so with the Hartuni of it all, it kind of worked out. And so that was another one where they kind of brought me the story uh, as I was working it out. And I was like, oh, that works really well. I actually it was funny because I remember I first read it and I was like, oh, Sofiana didn't die in Go Go Power Rangers. Interesting. And it was the first moment as a creator that I was like, <laughs> that's not what I was going to do. But then I read what they did and I was like, this is better. So like it was it was a neat little moment where like someone else picked. You thought you finished that toy and put it aside mm-hmm. and they took that toy and they got playing with it. And you're like, OK, that's how comics work. Kind of cool. Yeah, that's what I loved about it, because it took something from Go-Go Power Rangers 18 and 19, which feels like a lifetime ago. And seeing those two characters come back and wrap up Fiona's story a, a little bit more emotionally and with some more finality. How did you feel about that? 
I loved it. I was really happy about it because I'm like, this is what the Power Ranger comic books should be able to do. Mm -hmm. Like, this is when they're, I think when they're clicking properly, that's what they should do. You know, those things where they, they fold in on each other, that you can bring characters back, you can uh, get more emotion and get more things out of that. I think that's the power. And it all felt additive. It felt like this is part of what we're trying to do with the Power Ranger comic universe. Like this right. stuff is all leaning towards stuff and it's all sort of branching out. And it's all sort of, I think that's one of the nice things about having, since Staff McClellan's been on this book since day one, she's been on this mm -hmm. book from the very beginning. I think she's the only one who has. And so she has been able to keep a very sort of a, a constant vigil over everything. And I yeah. know we have some plans for some bigger stuff that I think it's, that's the stuff that I love. So like, I love that, that, that they were able to sort of take and tie stuff together in ways that, um, and I think that's one of the great things about bringing in other, or other writers and not having me do all of it. Cause like, you know, I love the, I love that I've been given this incredible opportunity to do so much Power Rangers. But it's really nice when you bring in other writers who can, like, I don't know if I would have been able to come up with that story, but I love mm -hmm. that Frank saw it and saw an opportunity to take that and fold it in in a different way. And I was like, that's great. That's what we need. We need more voices. We need more people to come in here who can see the series, to see what we're doing with, like, with fresh eyes and find new ways to do it. So I, I think that stuff's great. Absolutely. Yeah. So going into Mighty Morphin a bit, issues two through four set up the Chaos Putties, the Putty Prime. You get to see more of, of the new Green Ranger, Zayla of Eltar. Uh, she reveals herself to the Rangers. And then Matt reveals himself to the rest of Angel Grove. So there was a lot of buildup to like, who is the Green Ranger? What's the Green Ranger doing? Who is this person? Was it always going to be Matt or was there any other ideas for that? Um, it was always going to be Matt, um, mm -hmm. but the way that it was going to be Matt was was slightly different. Uh, without going too long, and you can interrupt me if I keep my um, is I actually had no intention of ever making Matt a ranger. I remember when I created the character telling telling Kyle and Daphna, so he's never going to be a ranger, never, ever. <laughs> like, that's the rule. He's never a ranger because everybody does that. We're not doing that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. And then um, and then as I was writing the story, like, he was going to be gone in 12. Like, at the end of 12, and go go when he's like, I don't want to talk to you guys again. Originally, I was going to do a Where's Waldo thing where he was never going to speak to the Rangers again. And he was just going to be in every issue, but in the background. Yeah. And, and I was just going to use that. But then as I was writing the series, it just, I really liked having that character that knew mm -hmm. them and could be in peril that wasn't Vulcan Skull. And so it just helped. And so I kept working on it. And anyways, I was working on it as I was going along. Fast forward to when I was working on Go Go Power Rangers and I got to a point where I needed, Lord Zed was coming to Promethea to get something. And I was like, what right. does Lord Zed possibly want? And I was like, oh, well, Grace has the green Psycho Dagger. And I was like, oh my gosh, the green Psycho Dagger is sitting there. It's a power source that was established in Beyond the Grid. It can do something. And I've got Billy who's trying to repower the Dragon Power Coin. And it just felt like those two things like linked together in a way that I, I hadn't thought about. And that when that happened, I'm like, I can bring back the Green Ranger. And so from the minute that happened, I started thinking, well, who's the most interesting person to have that be? And so obviously we had Draken coming back in the series. And I was like, yeah, Draken could come in and he could be the Green Ranger. But that feels like a weird step backwards because mm -hmm. he's already Draken. Like he's already got, he's already a combination of the white and green powers. And it just feels like, I don't know, that just didn't work for me. But I knew that using him as a green, uh, as a red herring would really, really help. Because I knew the people would be like, oh, of course he's going to do that. That seems like, it just, I, I, I trust me, man. I'm on Twitter. I know, I know. People oh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody thought I was going to Draken. 
but what I wanted to do, and this is just one of those things where like I wasn't able to, I wanted to make it a much bigger like whodunit. I wanted to bring in like characters from the show, like Richie and Curtis. And oh um, yeah, and I, and one person actually, I should be honest, somebody on Twitter tweeted at me, oh, I think it's going to be Tarona. Um, and uh. I was like, oh man, that's, I totally should have used that. That would have been a great, I could have really leaned into that. I should have brought that character in earlier. So it's one of those things where, I, unfortunately, I, I, so I wanted to do that. But then when we decided we were going to do the splintering into Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers, the two different series and make the Omega Rangers more prominent, I just sort of ran out of space to do it. Mm-hmm. So it turned into a, I was like, I'm going to run out of room already. And so I basically sort of had, it all kind of got pared down to just sort of the Matt and, and Draken of yeah. it all. And so, yeah, so like, it wasn't, it, it was just one of those things where it's like, I just, the, the, the nature of the way it, it, I'm still learning how to write comics. And sometimes things happen where I'm like, oh, I didn't plan that properly. <laughs> so that was the thing, but that was the, that was how it all kind of came together. I, mm-hmm. I thought Matt's an interesting character to me because he's a guy who has a relationship with all the Rangers. And he's literally taking over Tommy's previous form after dating his girlfriend. Yep. And like that just, there's like a really neat emotional thing there that I was like, Tommy's not going to like this guy. And uh, I was like, that's great. So like, I love that. I love anything that can create like a weird emotional thing. Like those, that there's a weird love triangle thing going on there that some people love and some people hate, but I think is interesting. So. Absolutely. What was kind of the thought process behind Matt actually revealing self to the public? Because we've never had a Power Ranger who has a secret identity do that. I mean, obviously there's other teams that are a bit more public with their identities in the future, but never with Mighty Morphin. And, you know, that definitely breaks one of uh, Zordon's rules. So what was the thinking behind that? That was a little bit of a, not a mandate, because that sounds wrong, but that was a suggestion by the people of Boom when they were like, Mm. Yeah, we could bring in another ranger, but we've seen that before. Like there's been, you know, they already did the green ranger and we've had, we, we've, we've seen that element of like, who's this ranger? And they were like, when we started sort of figuring out exactly how, we, when we basically started figuring out, okay, so the green ranger, what's his relationship with the, with the regular power rangers? Well, he's not working for Zordon. He works for yeah. Grace. And Zordon's rules, Grace has a different set of rules. And so we were like, how can we actually make that a parent how can we make that in your face how like because he's still going to act like the rangers it's not like he's going to be a bad guy but right. like if he has a different set of rules how do we do that and so i it was my it was my editor daphna and, and the people boom and they were like what if we actually had a ranger who he's not breaking the rule he can do that he can take his helmet off you know zordon doesn't have to agree with him zordon doesn't have any sway over him and what would that do and how can we use that as a way to sort of let the power rangers because one thing i've always thought was interesting is we make a big deal. It's made a big deal about it in GoGo. It's on the show. It's this idea that they have secret identities and they're not allowed to share them with anybody. And that mm-hmm. creates a lot of problems. You know, that's the traditional superhero problem of like, oh man, if only I could tell them I was saving the world, I wouldn't get a C in my chemistry class. But since we can't have those Rangers reveal them, reveal their identity, how can we actually show like what it would be like if a ranger right. did reveal his identity. So we're like, Matt gave us the opportunity to do that. And I thought it was interesting because it basically created like a new dynamic amongst mm-hmm. him and the rangers and the world and all that stuff. And I just liked what it did because it, it allows them to sort of see, you can use in a weird way, I can use Matt as sort of a cautionary tale or not even, I can use him as sort of a test case and go, this is what happens if, if, the, if the Power Rangers had their, had their identity revealed and it doesn't destroy canon, it doesn't destroy right. 
that thing, I can kind of go back to it if I need to. And I think it, it's been fun because it opens up a lot of really fun story possibilities. Well, by the time we release this episode, both Mighty Morphin 9 and Power Rangers 9 will have been released. So we get to see a little bit of that in Mighty Morphin 9 when he asked that, oh, hey, Miss Appleby, Promethea should have called you. Can I turn in this assignment? She's like, oh, yeah, take all the time you need. And Adam's kind of like what like <laughs> can i can i reveal my identity yeah i just loved when she was he was like that's not really fair and she's like well if you'd like to stand up front of the class and prove that you're a power ranger too i'll give you more thing and he's just like well rock is like dude <laughs> and he's like never mind like it's just like a fun little moment i was just trying yeah. to like figure out like that's a fun because i do like that matt's kind of like hey like did they call you? You know, it's like, it's like, it's just like, it's such a weird relationship. Like I gotta go save the universe. They're like, Oh yeah, go ahead, dude. It was just like, a, imagine that one of your classmates. Cause I remember I was thinking like some of the class, when I went to high school, there were some guys who played on the football team. And I remember they, when we got really, really far in one thing, like they literally had to, they had to go to like the conference finals. And so they had to leave class early on a Friday because they had to get on the bus and drive all the way out yeah. to the game. And so they didn't have to take the test that we all did. And I remember thinking, man, that's bullshit. <laughs> and, and so I was just using that concept of like, but just with superheroes. Yeah. I think it'd be, I am actually going to do a scene. There's got to be a scene. This is a total spoiler, but there's going to be a scene where they're in the middle of a test and you're going to just see Matt going, please send a monster. Just please send the monster. <laughs> I think there's a monster outside. No, that's not. What. <laughs> well, I, I think that's why issue five is is one of my favorites because it fills in all of that backstory. That that whole issue is dedicated to Matt. We get to see his thought process. We get to see his parents. We get to see him become the new Green Ranger and fill in those gaps. I think that issue it kind of reminded me of like early on in, in Kyle's run where like the fifth story was that kind of out of sequence to give more context. So I really enjoyed issue five. Yeah. I actually talked to Kyle about that issue. Uh, Cause I was like, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to get to this point and really green danger. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. He's like, you should, and he was like, you should do basically just do a whole issue from his perspective and kind of do that. I was like, Oh, that's right. You did that all the time. He's like, yeah. And so I was like, that's a great idea. So that was where it came from was this idea of like, mm -hmm. Oh, let's go back and fill in the blanks a little bit and give you a sense of, cause you, we had spent what, I think four issues of, of, or maybe more than that, eight issues of hiding the fact that he was the, with the green yeah. ranger. I was like, it'd be kind of cool to see what was he going through on the other side of that when you didn't know who he was, it was sort of like filling in the, filling in the gaps a little bit. And, and it's cool. Cause I thought it was like, you finally get to see his parents and you get a sense of you, how they feel about it. Like he's mm -hmm. lying to them. And when you're a power ranger now, he has to give up his football. And, and also the one thing that makes him different than the other rangers is he has to do it by himself. Yep. He doesn't have the other. And I thought there was something interesting about that was like, you can see him, wanting to talk to like he reaches he goes to see Kimberly because he wants to talk to someone about it and I just thought what an interesting flip from there originally that's what she, you know when she was with him he she just so desperately wanted to tell him what exactly. was going on in her life and now he's on the other side and he wanted to tell her and he couldn't I just thought there was something really nice and sort of poetic about that yeah I just really like how the whole issue dovetails and you know you even get to see his powers for the first time and gorgeous one page shot of, of him morphing was pretty incredible. I mean, it, it looked really nice. Yeah. Mark Marco does a wonderful job with the Green Ranger. I love the way he draws him. I love the way yeah. he draws the action sequence. I think I'm just calling you right now. Sorry, buddy. Can't talk to you right now. <laughs>
<laughs> I should have put them on. I'm like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I really love the way Marco draws. Marco's done some great stuff with just, just with that design and, and yeah. the action. And that particular splash page, I think it was really cool. That was another thing that was kind of fun was like, I was writing that issue and I actually had always imagined that Grace was the one who was like, you need to reveal your identity to the world. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And so I, wrote, I was writing the issue and then I was like, no, man, it should be the other way around. Like he has such a strong feeling about being kept in the dark about things. And that's yeah. the trauma there. It's like, he's been the one to her. He, she should be the one to come to her and say, we got to let them know who's protecting them. That they, we want to ban it. Like who's behind the thing that I don't like is I don't know who's behind those helmets. We can do that. And I just thought there's something really cool about the fact that he's the one who wants to do it. And that came, that came really late in the game. And I, and I like that a lot more because I think it stays way truer to the character. That kind of like segues into some of the stuff we get with issues six through eight, which is kind of like a under the dome or, or what uh, one of the characters calls uh, Monster Grove. I think uh, Bulk <laughs> calls him that. I love Monster Grove. I think that's that's hilarious. I wanted to clarify something because something that happens at the end of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers 55 when Grace visits Draken, why did she do that? Because I know that I know that's kind of like a misdirect, like, ooh, is Draken gonna be the Green Ranger? But what was the purpose behind that? But if it's a spoiler for something later on down the line, then you don't have to answer that. It's not a spoiler. I would say I think she saw Draken as a legitimate legitimate option. Oh, okay. And he's the better fighter of the two. Like he is. Like I think if Draken fought fought Matt, he'd be in big trouble. And I, so I think she she did her due diligence. She went there and she talked to him and she wanted to see if if that guy was if he's good, if he's bad, if you know, they obviously she they obviously have a relationship. She spent many, you know, a long time with him in her custody. So she has a different take and a different perspective on him. Cause who's to say what he said to her and what he told her and what she learned and all that time they were together. And so mm-hmm. I think she's a little bit more um I wouldn't say compassionate about Draken, but she definitely has a different perspective. And so I think she went there to, to see if he was somebody who didn't want to be the bad guy anymore. Right. And I think he said, screw you. And she went, okay. And, uh, and then she went to that. So I, is, was Matt the second option? I think she, he was, I think there was a 1A and a 1B. Sure. But that's what I thought she did. I think she legitimately, li- I think if Draken had turned to her and said, I'm done with my old ways, I'll do whatever you want. Just get me out of the cell and 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 do it. I think she would have probably done it. But I think ultimately he was too, um, I don't think that he's got a little too much more pride for that. Okay, got it, yeah. got it. So with with issues six through eight, we we get the the monster grove under the dome type of situation. Issue six starts out with like a twenty three day or, or three week period time skip, and we get to see the Rangers working with the military, which is something that isn't explored enough in Power Rangers unless it's a specific organization like SPD or or Lightspeed or something like that. So kind of bringing in the military and like, yeah, we talked to the president and we're going to bomb it. If What was the thought process like with bringing kind of that real world element to Power Rangers, especially Mighty Morphin? I think I, I, I probably feel like you do. It's one of those things where you're like, there's literally a city in the middle of America where <laughs> giant monsters and robots fight all the time. And apparently the military is like, that's cool. Let's just, you, we would let that, let, good luck guys. And I just thought that's ridiculous, right? And like the only people who ever stand up to him is Promethea apparently. And so I was like, that's ridiculous. So I, so when we got to the point and when we came up with the idea of putting Angel Grub under, a, under like an energy shield, I was like, 
the military would have to do something at that point. Yeah, they wouldn't, yeah. they couldn't, they weren't just going to set up like, you know, like they're going to put cones around it and just, you know, extra people away. <laughs> so I was like, they would do something about that. And mm-hmm. I thought there's something really fun about having the military literally have to talk to Zordon. And what's that like? And I will say this, and this is probably, if I, look, if I'm on Power Rangers and for the foreseeable future, I guarantee mm-hmm. this is, I'm setting something up for, I have something that I have planned in the back of my head that I want to do with the military and I want to do with existing canon from the show that I have mm-hmm. idea. I have an idea of something I really want to do that I, I've had a lot of people on Twitter ask me about and people always want to see it and I have a way of, of using it and the military would be my way in. So this is me sort of laying nice. the groundwork for if and when I ever get to that point. Sure. Um, if I said the, the, the word right now, you'd, you'd know what I was talking about, but I, I know I have to be a little faint, but if I tell you, then I can't do it. So <laughs> right, it's that, right, right, it's right, that right. thing. So yeah, it's, this, 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 was my, this was me being practical about the situation, but also knowing that if I ever wanted to bring in this part of Power Ranger mythology that I haven't seen used, this would be my way in. So that, yeah. that was my thought. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes sense. Cool. Yeah. One of the characters that I think really comes into focus and and really steps up his game is Rocky. We get to explore a little bit more of his family, the story with his sister collecting the bottle caps. We find out two sisters, three brothers. But I think that his talk with Jason, like, really energized him to take on more of a lead role. You get to see him almost be a little reckless with taking the putties on, on top of the Megazord when it's down and you see him gain a a little bit more confidence in his abilities. Can you talk about maybe the evolution of, of Rocky? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where like, I had, I didn't really know what I was going to do with the stone Canyon trio when I brought him in. I knew I wanted to be in there. I knew in during necessary evil that they would be sort of like, I liked the concept of the old guard and the new guard and the idea that these two had to work together. But when that was the case, they were all sort of a group. They weren't really individuals. Mm -hmm. Um, And now going into this new run, I knew I was going to, I was like, okay, well now, now that the Omega Rangers are kind of out of the storyline, I have a little bit more room to, to look at them as individuals. And so I was actually on a call with Steve Cardenas during a panel and it was like a group panel and somebody had asked him, I think it was a fan question, asked him about, you know, was there anything in the show that you wish that you'd gotten to use? And he said in the interview, oh yeah, well, when I took the job, they gave me this like paper that had like my whole backstory. And it said that I was like the oldest of seven kids and my, and my dad wasn't around a lot. And I was like, and I remember I was literally on the call and I saw Daphne and she looked at me and I said, I just made the picture in the, in the zoom. I said, I'm writing this down immediately after the panel. Like I texted Steve and I was like, Hey, can we, can we talk? And so I was like, I want to use that. I want to use the actual, if that's mm-hmm. what that was, I want to do that. And so we talked a little bit about what was on the paper. And I was like, I want to, and I loved that concept that he was, look, in the first run of Mighty Morphin, the show before Zio, he's, yeah. his character's pretty, pretty straightforward. It, 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 like, it's a pretty bland character in the sense that like, he has a few issues, you know, he has, you know, Rocky just wants to have fun and all that stuff like that. Like he has a few moments like that, but like, he's a pretty, there's not a lot of layers to him. Mm-hmm. It, I felt like he really starts to shape, shape in Zio. Like Zio's where he, where you started yeah. to get a sense of like him as a character. And so the, the, the version that I'm doing, I think is closer to the Zio version. And I liked the idea that he's, and, and Steve, if you ever listen to this, I apologize. I like that he's a little dumb. I like that he's a little <laughs> bit more, I think he's a little good, but he's good natured, right? He's not yeah. like, He's like the friend. He's a little goofy. He's a, he's, he's a little bit of a jock. Um, yeah. and, I, and I like that because I think 
that gives him sort of a really fun perspective on things. I, the way that I kind of write him as, and people are going to laugh, or, or they mad at me, like Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. Like he's a little Drax. <laughs> like a little bit of Drax in him. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So I like that. and I, But I think what's really fun about giving somebody a little bit more goofiness is that he can be so much more honest about things. Like there was a moment I remember in one of the things I was writing that it was issue five. And and there was a part where uh, he's like, when when he's, he's working out with Matt and Tommy shows up and Tommy kind of gives Matt the cold shoulder and he goes what was that about and he's like i used to date his girlfriend he's like you did what and then he's like <laughs> nobody tells me anything and i just love this idea that he just had no concept of that and like it's like such a fun thing but you, what you i think you made it you hit a, you hit the nail on the head a little bit when you were saying like the one thing that i always thought was interesting is the fact that he's the red ranger he's the first red yep. ranger i knew who wasn't the leader and i was like he's gonna know that and so when when jason comes back i was like they gotta talk about this they mm-hmm. have to talk about the fact that he that Jason was the leader when he was there as a ranger, and now that's now that Rocky's there, he's like, I'm not. Everybody else who's a Red Ranger that I've heard of or seen seems to be doing that. So, w- what's wrong with me? And I just loved that that he was like, it's there's nothing wrong with you, dude. You're just you're you are brave. You just you know your role and you're doing your role right. You're you're mm-hmm. you're, you're saving the world. Don't ever let what the people before you did judge yourself by them judge yourself by your actions and who you are and i just thought what i loved about that was it was it, jason didn't judge him he just was like dude you are saving the world with six other people that's enough yeah and i love that even later on he was like all right it kind of gave him a little bit of that little thing he needed like a little it was like he got the good job dude from the person that he thought <laughs> was gonna he want he wanted jason's uh, yeah. uh, uh, respect and encouragement and he got it and that gave him enough to sort of do that. And so I really liked, I liked that element. And then the bottle cap thing was actually just something, uh, uh, my niece actually does collect bottle caps. And she has has a mural on her wall that she's been doing. She collects them when she goes, when they go to dinners. And if you ever go to like a restaurant and they have bottled something, when you take them off the top, everybody puts those in the corner and like they put them on the table and then they give them to, they give them to my niece and then she puts them on the wall and then she looks and she'll paint them and all that stuff. And so I was like, I want to, I just thought that was a neat little thing. Cause it's, it's just like this thing you do over time. Yeah, that's awesome. Another character that really steps up is Kim. Before the Dome, there was this talk that she had with Tommy, and Tommy doesn't believe that she didn't already know beforehand that Matt was the Green Ranger. So there's already this tension between them, and it, it really intensifies in this issue when they split up their strike team when they go in. It's almost in defiance of Tommy's accusations um, that, you know, she knew Matt was the Green Ranger. But she turns that around when they're facing Lord Zed and Goldar and calls Matt a coward and just like straight up punches him. So I love that that dynamic where even with Tommy not being part of the group, Kim really steps up as one of the original Mighty Morphin team to lead this group. Yeah, I mean, I love Kim. I think Kim is my favorite character right now. I think I think it's because she's the one that I've. I think she's really fiery. Like I yeah. think she's really tough, and I think she's really not someone to to ever back down. And um, and she's also been on the team for a really really long time. You know, in a sense of like now that the original Rangers are gone with with. Jason, Zach, and Trini gone, like it's, it's her, Billy and Tommy. And so like, and, and Billy, you know, as much as I love Billy, Billy always sort of has other things going on. Right. And so it feels like Kim and Kim. So that technically means Kim's kind of been there the longest, right? She's sort of Mm -hmm. the one in the most leadership position and sort of the strong. And also 
in the original show, she was the one that, and not just because she's a very pretty girl, but like she was like a, she had a very strong character. Yeah. And I think people remember her really well. So I always want to do her justice. But so, yeah, so going into this thing, like I, when I knew when I wanted to do sort of the love triangle element, it, when I say love triangle, it doesn't mean that she's like, oh, who am I going to be with? It's right. more like the, oh my gosh, my current boyfriend and my ex-boyfriend are on the same, or we're all having to do a group project together. It should be fun. <laughs> and so she, that's right. I, I wanted to do for her is I, mm-hmm. and I, and I hope I've been, I've been trying to do it. Only some people feel I'm not doing it correctly, but I like the idea that she, is sort of in between them. You know, she finds right. on one side, Tommy is like, it's like that thing. If you ever saw somebody that you're dating and they hang out with like, they talking to their ex-boyfriend or they're talking to their ex-girlfriend or whatever. You're like, what are you guys talking about? Are you guys, you, you don't have feelings for them anymore. Right. It's an inherent in every single person. Whenever exactly. we see somebody that we're with, like, do they still have feelings for each other? And even if they don't, there's no way you can convince them. They just, <laughs> they just, because they're inferring their, all their own insecurities on to you. It's not thing you've done. You can become, you can talk to them and just say, Hey, like, what'd you have for lunch yesterday? And they're like, Oh, so you care about what they eat. Do you? You know what I mean? It's like, that's, <laughs> right, right. that's the level that we all have. And so yeah, I yeah. love that. He can't let go. Like he's using his guise of, I just need to know. Cause I'm in charge of the team. I'm not, ch- I, I'm, I'm, it's, right. just, it's purely professional. And she's like, it's not professional. You're an idiot. So I love that she calls him out on that. But at the same way, when Matt is doing is basically, you know, I've, I've got a job to do. I work for Grace and Grace says yep. this is what we're doing. She's like, you're putting my boyfriend in danger. If that was me out there, there's no way you would do this. Right. And he, and so I liked that she's defending Tommy and she's defending Matt because they're yep. both being dumb in a weird way. <laughs> so I like the idea that she's right. And in the, in both situations and sort of balancing their own issues, you know, cause yeah. I'm like, not, not gonna lie. I think if Kimberly had been the one out there fighting, do you think he'd be just going along with what Grace said? Probably not. No. So like, I just think there's something to actually looking back, I probably should have had that line in the comic book. But uh, anyways, that's the way I look at it. It was like, I like that she's sort of the fulcrum in between these two sort of adolescent Power Rangers. Yeah, for sure. One of the things I, I thought was was a nice touch uh, during the Zord battles in uh, these issues, especially I think it was seven and eight, when they're knocking around these huge putty primes, and because there's no name for them, they're just naming them after buildings like Chrysler, Willis, Big Ben. I thought that was hilarious. Thank you. I had some other ones that were more creative, but my editor was like, hey, those are, we can't use those. Those are licenses. And I was like, oh, okay. So yeah. From Chicago, I'm like, well, no one really calls it the Willis Tower. No, no one does. But yeah, yeah, but Sears, I I could see that being like a copyright thing. (laughs) Totally. I wanted to do a whole like different strokes joke of it. Like, uh, you know, what are you talking about, Willis? But like, that was, it was, that was, (laughs) that was a joke on top of a joke. That was too much, but I'm glad that you liked it. So I appreciate, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What does banana bread have to do with anything? <laughs> okay, so all I was just thinking was like, I, I love the idea that she had a code word for, so she basically, what I was thinking was, I was like, okay, let's, how do I show that Grace had always intended to sort of mm-hmm. turn on Zed when the opportunity arose? And so I was like, so what she probably did was she probably pulled her guys aside and said, okay, here's the situation. We're going to back my play the entire time and whatever Zed and Goldar tell you to do, do it. And then if the minute I give you the code word, you're going to turn on them. And then I was like, what's the word that she could say <laughs> that you would never accidentally say in battle? And I thought, and I think I was eating banana bread that day. And I was like, banana bread. Because I just like, it's the, I love banana bread. And I just thought, there's no way anybody is going to say banana bread in an action sequence on accident. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about Bulk and Skull in this, especially Skull. 
first off, having Skull date Candace is kind of brilliant. But man, are these guys getting tortured, (laughs) especially Skull. But I really do like the use of their characters from a civilian point of view. And the line that freaking cracked me up is, you know, they're like, oh, and you can get this content for $5 more at our ranger station, whatever. And I'm like, as a podcaster who has a Patreon, I was like, man, I, I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that it cut off the middle. Like Matt was like, and one more thing. And they're like, oh, sorry guys. And like the idea that they, the the green ranger gave an interview, like to tell them how he's like protecting the city and they cut it off and they're like behind a paywall. I thought that was like, that's exactly because of course, of course bulk would do that that's a hundred percent what bulk would do yeah um, but yeah i think that's one of the fun things about using their youtube channel and their and their stuff is like it's fun because i am able to sort of use them as like a reflection of it's it's good because you can use it as a really nice way to get exposition and you can use it as a way mm-hmm. to sort of give the folks on the street but it's also nice to be able to to reference what's going on and make it feel a little more present you know present day because obviously they didn't have this stuff back in the 90s when the show was there so it's like yeah. a, it's a fun little thing but i'm glad you know it's I, whenever i can take a swing and a shot at the podcasters around the world I <laughs> there it is yeah. one of the things i also wanted to talk about was the whole like backstory and evolution with zordon dealing with zofram and zardis and we really see Zordon grow up in the span of time, you know, going on his first uh, supervision to essentially becoming second in command for the Eltarian forces. And obviously all of that is, is still playing out. So I guess what I wanted to ask was, we see a lot of huge lore building in both of these series, not just with Zordon's childhood stories, Chaos Demon, Vitara, and the first ones, And then you see that in Power Rangers when the Omega Rangers discover the remains of the Red Century. And then they find this like Sire Lentinvius, who was this Edenoi philosopher. And then they can they use the same terminology, the first ones. And Trini's the one that kind of pieces all together. She's like, all right, the first ones are the Morphin Masters, the emissaries are the messengers. And the Imperials are, are the shadows. So I don't really have a question. I just think it's really cool that we're getting all this backstory. And also all this talk of, of Morphin Masters and, and this ancient connection to the grid. And it's kind of tying into what like Dino Fury is doing with they're showing the Morphin Masters, which are based on the comics. So I just really like how the whole universe is really becoming interconnected. Thank you. I mean, we talk a lot about it. It's important. And I think it's going to be even more important going forward, um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, hopefully over the years and stuff. But like, yeah, I think that's it's one of the nice things about the series is that I think it's one of the things that makes Power Rangers very, very sort of fertile for comics. And that's why I think um, we're lucky in the sense that like the show dropped a lot of names and ideas, right? Like mm-hmm. the original show, but then they never really did anything with them. Like they would just drop that character in there and then they just, you'd never see them again. And in a weird way, it's kind of a neat thing to do because like as a fan, you read it and you go, wow, well, so what is that? We're the Morphin Masters from the M51 Galaxy. What, were the, what are they doing with the Zeo crystals and what's all that stuff? You know, like there's this thing where like they give you just enough that it sort of piques your curiosity, but then they don't ever fill it in. So I think yeah. a lot of us have filled it in all together. So what's fun about that is as a comic it's like okay now i have that and once as a writer when you know you have to build towards something you can sort of like write from it like okay i know i I have that thing 
how can I write towards that? And mm -hmm. so I knew when we, when we started talking about doing this run, I was like, okay, if we're going to do this run, I, I want to actually specifically ask, like, I want to, I don't know much about Eltar. I like Eltar. It's sitting there. It's Zordon of Eltar. Like we know that term. There's a meaning to that word, Zordon of Eltar. It means something. Yes. And so I was like, I want to use that. And so before, um, and this might get me in trouble or not, but like Saban was very, very hands-off with that. I mean, very, sure. very much like you're not allowed to use that. Like we don't want you to get into that because you're going to screw it up. They didn't say that, but that's what I, that's what I imagine. And so what was great was with Hasbro buying this, when we came to them and said, I want to do a story that takes place and shows, shows what Eltar is like in the Zordon's past. They were like, go for it. And so I was like, wow, cool. Cause I just didn't think they would let us. And so I knew going forward that we were going to start to do that. So that's why every issue has those first three pages, because I want to start of dig into that stuff and just give you a little bit. Like, I don't want to, I mean, yeah. you could have done Power Rangers, the Zordon years, and then done a whole run that was just about that. And that would have been really cool. But I, I also like the idea that to just do that is just like doing a prequel series. That's fine mm -hmm. and all, but it's just, it's just filling in for filling and sake. What I wanted to do was I wanted the past and what you learn about Zordon to be important in the future. I wanted it to apply right, right. to what's going on in the Power Rangers now, which is why when you get to the end of Power Rangers number eight and you find out that Zardis is connected to the Imperials, yeah. all of a sudden that should give the flashbacks a lot more weight than they had before because you weren't just watching a story about the flash. You're watching uh, the origin of a villain. So like that, like that, that's the, that was the idea was I wanted to hide the villain's origin story in the flashbacks of a character that you would just think, oh, I'm just learning about Zordon. No, man, the bad guy's right there. When we're all said and done, going back and rereading those should give some looking, look at it from Zardis's point of view, you will see a very different story that's being told. And, you know, when I was prepping for, for this interview, I did exactly that because I have read Mighty Morphin 9 and my God, it's like, seeing it come full circle and like rereading these, you really get a different context. And, you know, that's something I, I try to tell people who ha have read these books, or sometimes I think I'm a huge defender of, of this series because on some areas of the internet, I think sometimes the comics get a little bit of a unfair shake and there is so much value in I think rereading these stories and, and picking up on things like there was stuff I was looking back at like, Oh yeah, I totally forgot that. And I can see how it all connects and it's all driving the narrative forward. Yeah. I, I think it, comics in just in general. And I think I'm learning about that a little bit is like, it is, it's a very different medium, just absorption wise in regards mm -hmm. to different than film and TV and stuff. Cause there's so many like with television and stuff, usually you don't have to wait a month for the next act in a TV, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be like if you watched the first act of a pilot and then you had to wait a month and you get to watch the second act, you get to watch, that's how much story you're getting. You're not getting a lot of story. So imagine stretching out one episode of television over five months and you have to expect people to remember what happened five months ago in the yeah. opening. And that's something that I think when you read comic books monthly is a very different experience. But however, if you read trades, I mean, you can read the entire, like when people were reading Shattered Grid, for example, like mm -hmm. they read that over, I think six to eight months. When people read Shattered Grid now, they can read it in an evening. Yep. And so it's a very different read. It's a, the, the binging element of comics is very different. Stuff you can be, you can keep more in mind. And that's something that I think I'm learning. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's something really cool about, like one of the things I really love about the, the monthly books is the fact that like, I love that people get to speculate at the same speed. I love that people get to talk about yeah. it and like some people have like, what's really fun for me is there's been some mysteries I've been put in this books and some people totally catch on to that stuff. They go, yep, that's, I think that 
character is this and they're going to mean that. And I'm like, boom, you nailed it. Nice job. And, and then what's really funny, but the other thing that's kind of fun about that is like, or weird is that you get to the reveal and then someone's like, yeah, I saw it coming. I'm like, well, yeah, of course you did. Cause I put in, <laughs> I put in clues, you know, if you exactly. didn't see it coming, then I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. It, Cause I think readers should be rewarded for like what you just said. Like one of the things I really appreciate about what you, this conversation is that you really do read it and you, you think about it. As a writer, that's like the nicest thing anybody can ever do is somebody can give it the same level of care and and, and courtesy that I put into it. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that so much because I know some people just read it and they're like, it's fun. But like when you ask these questions and you're like digging, you, the, I love when you like, you know, there's a joke or a, a thing that you caught, like when you said the thing about um, how you thought that the conversation between Jason and Rocky is the, is the impetus for why he sort of stepped up. I was like, yes, 100%. That's what I intended. And I love that. And so that means I, that's great. So anyways, I kind of lost my train of thought there in complimenting you, but um, (laughs) for liking my writing, which I guess is also complimenting me. But anyways, but my point is, is like, I really think when people do reread stuff and they do take the time to at midnight on Wednesday or Tuesday night, they go read it. I mean, that's amazing to me. Like, I like that there's a dialogue and I like that those people, I think that's the fun of the comic is the, is the idea yeah. of like, you're reading it and you're speculating with me. I, I miss that. I miss that because I think that's gone in TV and you can't really yeah. do it in movies anymore. I think it's one of the reasons that the Marvel movies have become so popular is because when you finish the movie, we all talk about the after credit scene and we, we speculate on it for six to eight months until the next one comes out. <laughs> right. And I, in a weird way, like that's the, that's the energy Mm-hmm. in comics all the time. And uh, yeah, I sort of rambled there, but that's that's the fun thing of this. So for people who do like the comics and do do really enjoy it and really do some deep diving, like I hope that I've given, there's enough stuff in there that makes it worth your while. Yeah. One last thing I, I, I wanted to touch on was the big reveal in Mighty Morphin 8 where Zordon now knows that Billy stole the dragon coin helped bring back the Green Ranger, worked with Grace the whole time. And when we release this episode, Mighty Morphin 9 will already be out. And you see kind of that fallout that for me as a reader, I've been waiting for. You see the other shoe drop and Aisha admits, well, yeah, I've known this, you know, a few weeks ago from our perspective from issue three. And that was something that was kind of nagging on me. I was like, why is Aisha keeping that in a little bit? Because she trusts Billy to do the right thing and confess. And then when the other shoe dropped, like reading Mighty Morphin 9, I, I know we're not specifically focusing on that, but for me, that was like that cathartic moment where I'm like, Oh my God, finally, like it, it's, it's out there. And for Zordon to completely consider Billy not to be a power ranger anymore as Billy being one of my favorite rangers, this all hurts because I understand Billy's perspective, but I can see what Zordon is, is going through too. This is Zordon's story. Like that, that's yeah. the thing that I, like, I, I think that's the thing that I realized from unlimited power, like there's like the second page of unlimited power is the is Zordon jumping through the air. Like it's yep. Zordon's story. And so one of the things, if you look at what Zordon's been going through through this entire run, Shattered Grid happened, Mr. Evil happened. And he's sort of, I love this idea that like he's used to people, like he's got faith, right? He has faith in that he's doing the right thing. Yeah. And that what his says and what he does is, is he has faith in his own decision-making. And then the Omega Rangers show up in this run and they go, Hey, we want Draken, and he says no, and they outright defy him. Yeah, and I think that's the first moment where he's like, "What the heck is going on?" 
it's that guy. It's like you're used to your kids doing what you want them to do. And suddenly they're not doing it. And then on top of that, he finds, and then the Green Ranger's around there and he doesn't understand what's going on there. And Grace is defying him. And now Billy's defying him. And I feel like all of this is just, is Zordon is not handling it well. He doesn't yeah. understand. You guys are supposed to do, you're supposed to have faith in me and believe in what I say and do with what I say because I'm right, right? That, that's the point. So that was the point of that storyline was like, that's the reason he's acting the way he is. He doesn't understand why people, he's used to just, what I say is the law. Yeah, and, and no one's doing that. Rangers are taking their helmets off, and they're making Power Rangers without me. And I think he, just, <laughs> and he feels like he's taking crazy pills, right? So that was the the start of that character. That's why I brought in the Altarians because I yeah. wanted to have uh, Zordon's entire faith is based on the fact that if he's a priest, Altar is God, and he is doing right by as long as long as I do what they tell me, I'm doing the right thing. Yep. So what happens when the people that are above you, you start to question what they're doing? So he's now going to have to question the people above him the same way that the Rangers are questioning him. And I feel like that was, that's why it's a crisis of faith. I like the idea that he, this is his crisis of faith. This is the moment where he has to look in the mirror and go, he expects the people below him to do what he says no matter what. But the people above him expect him to do the same thing. So what happens when you can't do that? Exactly. And then, yeah, is he a hypocrite for coming down on the Rangers so hard if he has to make some of the same decisions? Exactly. And I think he's, I think you're about to see, that's where yeah. we're on the storyline, you're about to see that start to come home to roost where it's like he's got to stand up to, to Eltar the same way Billy and the, and the Omega Rangers stood up to him. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> I want to spoil and stuff. Like, I feel like this is all on the table. I feel like it's, if, if you didn't see it coming. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm like, just like, watch, I'm going to get a call from Boomer. Like, hey, did you just tell him what happened at the rest no, of the no. <laughs> Okay, so anything else before we move on to uh, the Power Rangers side of it? Anything else that maybe you want to mention about this chunk of Mighty Morphin? No, I think I've, I've, I've talked okay. about it. <laughs> <laughs> so going to Power Rangers issues two through eight, it's structured a little bit differently we don't get any of the flashback. It's straight story. Issues two through three dealt with the Horrid. We had issue four, which was that exploration of Draken's world. Issue five and six was the big Onyx part. And then issue seven through eight was what happens on Hartunia. And I love this sci-fi, almost sci-fi anthology approach to Power Rangers. Is that the kind of... I would hope so with your nom de plure. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, is that how you want to continue that series going forward? Yeah, I I just wanted to do, like you said, structurally, I I didn't want to do the same thing. I didn't want Power Rangers and Mighty Morphin to feel like the same book. And so I was like, okay, so I made some rules for myself. I was like, the first rule is no flashbacks in the openings. And then I was like, I want the story structures to be a little shorter, not four issue arcs. I wanted to be two issue arcs, basically, or Mm -hmm. one issue arcs. I wanted to be a little more sporadic because also we have less characters, which is nice. Like you basically have three or four characters. So it's nice. They're smaller. So you don't, you can have a little bit shorter runs and doesn't feel like everybody, it feels like people are, everybody's still doing some stuff. And I just felt like, you know, because we're going, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are sort of protecting Earth, but the Omega Rangers have like a whole universe to sort of keep an eye on. And so I thought, well, let's try to get it to as many places as possible in a shorter amount of time. And I thought shorter arc can do that. There's very much a Star Trek Mandalorian kind of vibe that I'm going with. Yeah, I'm totally digging it. When we get to see Draken's world, it's pretty impactful because we get that resolution from what happened in Shattered Grid number one that, that wraps up that storyline. But 
we get to see a, a different side of Draken being a bit more guarded because the Rangers are seeing this this side of him where, you know, he was stuck in there for months or years or however time works in here. And he essentially went crazy. I mean, that's why he's talking to the severed head of Saba. And so the Rangers get to see that side of him. I really think that Draken is a fascinating character because he's such a foil to the Rangers. And I don't know where I'm going with that other than I'm really, really enjoying all of the scenes between Trini and Draken. I think Trini is hands down my favorite character in this book. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Um, I was a little nervous about bringing Draken in because, you know, like I know Draken's a, Draken is a very suffocating and polarizing character. Mm -hmm. I know some people love him and some people hate him. I think there's other issues involved. I don't think it's necessarily Draken. I think there's, there's a lot of strong divides in the Power Ranger <laughs> community about certain characters that you just, are, it is part of what it is. But I also understand that Draken is like, uh, he's in the book a lot. But I, I, so when they came to me at 50 and they were like, we want to bring Draken back in the series. Because Boom was the one who was like, we'd like to bring him back. And yeah. I was like, cool. And I was like, that was, I had no problem with that. But my pitch was, and I think I might've said this on the podcast before, so I apologize. But I was like, if we bring him back, I don't want to do the same storyline. But I don't want him to be... Right the warlord superhero, you know, like despot, like that's not, I've seen that story before. You know, it's funny. Somebody, I don't ever like to single out somebody to Somebody literally tweeted at me. is like, why would you bring Draken back if he doesn't have his armor and he doesn't have his army? I was like, exactly. Like, <laughs> like right. that's, that's exactly why I that's would do it. that because <laughs> that's an interesting character to me. You know, like, uh, so mm -hmm. I was just like, I, uh, it's like, if you're watching Loki right now, like I enjoy watching, this is a yep. different, I don't want to see Loki doing the same thing he did in Avengers. I've seen that story. I like the Loki story where I'm seeing him trying to figure out what his purpose in the world is. When someone, and not to spoil Loki, but that line when someone says, your purpose in this world is to fail and to lose. Ooh. I was like, that's the most coolest meta moment I've yep. seen in a show. I loved it. I freaking love that. Anyways, sorry. For people who haven't seen Loki, I apologize. It's a really great moment though. Anyways, but with Draken, and to be fair, like have you been re if you've been reading Power Rangers, I am... I'm doing Loki with Draken. Like that's, I'm not <laughs> lying. It's very clear. They even kind of look alike. Um, but like, but that's what I liked about yeah. the character was I wanted to take Draken and I wanted to strip away all the stuff that you would come to know him as. He's not yep. powerful. He's got no armor. He's got no army. He's just a guy stuck in a in a collar. Literally, I had the collar on him first, by the way. But he's stuck on this ship and he's with the three people that he knows really well. And his only power is that he knows what makes them tick and how to take them yep. apart. And I thought that's a fun thing because I looked at, and I've said this before, what I liked about the Power Rangers, the Mega Rangers, I see them as people who graduated from college. Mm -hmm. That's what they, the blue emissary was there was college and they left, they left earth and they went away for school and they had a teacher and they went and saved the world. And then they leave college because now they have no teacher and they are traveling around the world and they have no idea what the hell they're going to do. Like, it's like, Oh, I'm out of college. Oh God, what do I do? We've all had that moment. And I was like, what happens if they got led around the world by the worst person? Like, <laughs> The guy who's like, yeah, come on, let's go do some heroin, you know, like, like right. that. That's, and so like, that's the thing that I liked was I yeah. love that he sees all of them and goes, I am going to like, you guys don't have a safety net anymore. And you guys think you're so great, but I know who you really are. And I'm going to, I'm going to pull out all the strings. And so I've really enjoyed that part of the writing of it all because I don't want him to be. You know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people were like, oh, you're just going to turn him into a hero. You're going to, you're just going to redeem him. And I'm like, I don't necessarily think that a redeemed 
first off, redemption has a lot of different forms, but sure. also like I don't think a rede- a redeemed dragon that's called Tommy. Yeah, so it's just I, Tommy. I do that. That's just Tommy. So I'm not going to do that. That's not the path that this story is going to take. But like what you said, that thing where you get to see into his world, like that's, that was the point of that scene was like, imagine, like, I just like, okay, imagine you were in prison for a while. And then the three people that you don't dislike the worst have to go into that prison cell and they yep. look at all the stuff you carved on the walls and the toys you made to keep yourself occupied and the drawing you made of the girl you love. And it's like, it's so vulnerable. And I love the idea that the three people he saw all got to see how vulnerable and, and alone he was and how it, and he didn't like that. And he, mm-hmm. and he was very defensive about that. I think that was actually the moment he was like, I'm going to get you guys because no one can ever know what I was going through. Yeah. And one of the stories that he tells and when he opens up to, to Trini a bit was the story of when Tommy was a kid and being homeless before he was adopted. And that just hit so hard because I'm like, before he became Draken, he was the Tommy that they all knew. Yep. And even Trini was like, wow, well, Tommy never mentioned that story, but that has to be true because you have the same backstory. So I think seeing that twist and that difference in character is is really fascinating. Thank you. I really like that part a lot, too, because if you in that same scene, you when she says, like, Tommy never told me that story, which it did happen to Tommy. But what I loved about that is in that same scene, she goes, Tommy would never do the things that you do. And it's right. like, same things. He Like, he just hasn't done them yet. Yeah. Like he's just not far enough down the timeline yet, kiddo. Like I'm older than him and we'll see what happens. But I just thought it's a good point of like, they have the same experiences. They are the same person. It might just be a matter of time. And I think that was important to remind people of. Tommy might be a few bad days away from, from snapping. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciate, not just with um, the, the Onyx issue, but these whole eight issues overall is that there are some, deep cuts and references. I mean, in the Onyx issue, I which I love that arc, by the way, because I love that there's like this group of SPD that is stationed <laughs> on Onyx just to keep an eye on all these monsters and, and villains. I, I think that's awesome. I'm I'm a huge SPD fan. So yeah, like that's the worst posting in the world though. It's like, right. hey, keep, keep an eye on the worst. You we don't give you nearly enough weapons and power to stop them, but just keep an eye and let us know anything bad happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst posting. But some of the the other references I caught was like when they're visiting the market in Partunia and there's like references from SPD and in space, like, you know, naming all these alien species like Tangarians and, and the Syrian, uh, which is Doggy Kruger's race and Calderon, which is that one episode in in space, the satellite search or whatever. Yeah. Like, I really appreciate the references. So have you just been like rewatching Power Rangers or is that, is that stuff that's like a creative process with Daphna and, and kind of hand plucking some of these references? I think it's just the, the goal for me is, is some of it is just trying to make sure that the world stay consistent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they mention it in one world, it's like, you don't, if you don't have to create something new, don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I don't want it to feel too small and too, too folded on itself. But yeah, the, a lot of that stuff, like, you know, what I have, like, I look, I am not an encyclopedia of power engine knowledge by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I've been lucky enough to be surrounded by some very good people who have helped. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of conversations between some of those people and Daphna and, 
you know, like uh, the Ranger Danger guys have helped me out a few times. Yeah. It's like just like reaching out to them and being like, hey, what about this? What about that? Because they they have I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge about that stuff, right? Which I think is actually in some ways helpful because it it what it not it helps because I I can kind of see things in sort of an objective way mm-hmm. as opposed to where I can get a little bogged down in the mythology. So I think it's a nice balancing act. I think of me sort of being on the outside and going, okay, here's the nature of the story, and this is what I want it to be, and then I can go to the people who know the world really well and then go. How can I fold in, like to be to be completely honest, mm-hmm. I remember at one point when I was trying to figure out what um, issue four was going to be at the end of issue four. And I was like, well, I need a planet that like, is there like a plan? I was going to make up a planet. That, <laughs> literally, I was like, I'm going to make up a planet where like all the bad guys just hang out. And, there, and then I remember talking to, to Michael Basudel and he's sure. like, you don't remember Onyx? And I was like, oh my God, of course. <laughs> and he's like, how did I not think of that? Like, it was like such an obvious thing, but it was like a nice reminder of like, of yeah. course I'll use Onyx. It's been used a thousand times. And I was like, and then I get to do a Western. And so like, it was this weird moment of just like, I wasn't thinking about that particular moment, but I was like, of course that's exactly it. So it was a nice little thing. But but yeah, like it, I just think as long as we can keep trying to play and tie all those things together, I think that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the fun of this world, right? Is like, we have the ability to do that. Like it's the show never had the fourth like that's the nice thing about having all the shows already made is you can kind of like look at it and go okay where can you tie them together and is there mm-hmm. a thing here and because that's the fun thing there's a bunch of little i have a whole notebook of little connections to characters and i'm like oh does that character know that character and like you know oh. who's andros and blah blah blah, blah. you know like little yeah. things like that like andros is out there right now isn't he, yep. What's he doing? like there's like a cool thing where like they didn't think about that but i could like i could bring that character into the comic book and you know mm-hmm. he's out there so like yeah that's the fun part i think is like being able to sort of buffet style all the stuff from the show. Yeah. And creating your own mythology too, like with, with the emissaries, with the first ones, you know, that, that sire Lentivius, that Edenoi philosopher 16,000 years ago, you can like see the timeline start to create and kind of the, the implication when Z and Trini are kind of figuring all this stuff out, the implication that Kia killing the blue emissary kind of kicked this whole thing off. Yeah, 100%. We actually knew that when we did it. Oh, okay. Yeah, like when Kaya stabbed uh, the blue emissary in the back. So here's, this might be too deep, but I apologize. So when we were doing about halfway through Necessary Evil, I think it was like 45 or 46, writing the scripts. So like, it was probably around 44, actually. Um, Bryce at Boom came to me and was like, hey, we want to do something we've never done before. We would love to do an FOC cover series where we just do, it'll be a 10-page comic book, but it'll be done with covers. And we wouldn't release them until the night of, and that'll be something that sort of ties in like a larger mythology thing. And I was like, okay, cool. And I was like, yeah, I can I can write that. And so Dan Mora was going to come in and draw, and then I started writing it and drawing them. And I was like, cool. And I just thought, okay, this would just be a cool way for letting Dan get to draw all of the Power Rangers. That'll be fun. And about halfway through, I was like, you know, wouldn't that be, we started talking about what Ryan, so like right around 44, they're like, so what are you going to do at the end of Necessary Evil? Yeah. And I was like, well, I, 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 tore, I was like, I started spring out ideas. I said, well, I'd love to do something with, you know, that explores Zordon as a character. Cause I feel like he hasn't, he's kind of had to take a step back in this series and I love the character. And so we had the conversation and in the middle of that, I was like, well, there could be these things called Imperials. And, and then mm. it was in that conversation we were like, oh, well, wouldn't it be interesting is if in the last two FOC covers of 50, we show one of these things kill one of the emissaries. And I was like, well, where did it come from? Like, why did it just show up? Yeah. And they were like, well, what if 
the death of the first emissary created the first imperial. It's like a Pandora's box. Exactly. Type of thing. Exactly. I always love this idea of balance in, in yes. sort of the universe, this idea of color, because the color wheels are so cool. If you have like the different colors connected to each other. And when Kyle and I came up with the emissaries, we were like, okay, the emissaries are three of them. There's blue, yellow, and red, because those three colors make all of their colors. And so that would be a cool, and I was kind of modeling him a little bit after the, uh, from Star Trek D Space Nine, the, um, prophets. Oh, the prophets. Yeah. yeah. That's why yes. they all speak different. That's why they all finish each other's sentences and why they, they yeah. cycle through the different uh, characters. If you watch D Space Nine, what was a brilliant thing is whenever Cisco went into the world of yeah. the prophets, they used all the existing characters and they talked through them. And I thought that was such a great way to create a mystical character without actually showing who they were. And you could use some really, and like, it was really fun when Dax would come up to him and say, you know, I, yeah. like, it was just, it's a, it's a cool way to create closeness and uh, irony based on who was talking. Anyways, long story short, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. No, I, I love the Star Trek connections. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I grew up watching Deep Space Nine. I love that series. I think that yeah. was one of the first great, like long, when that stuff got, it started getting into long form storytelling right around season three. Yeah. Yeah. When it got late, oh, when it got into the, the, uh, the Palm the Wraith, Wraiths and oh, all my God, it oh, got yeah. crazy, but it was awesome because all that stuff had been set up in the in the pilot so like yep. it was all there they just took it and went oh wait let's let's go back to the beginning and let's do this it was brilliant it was really smart i love that i love that last two seasons this season is great anyways but like i wanted to do it so like it's that's the fun part was like we were like okay let's do that and so i knew that with the death of the blue emissary that mm -hmm. that would create the first imperial and then that would cycle and that would create the problem and because i always loved the idea that the heroes are like, like, they're still figuring stuff out, man. Like they don't yeah. quite know. And so there was something cool about the fact that it, it, the way I looked at it was that the, if you go back and read the free comic book issue from Shattered Grid, yeah. the, the, the emissaries are saying we can't get involved. Like that's not our, that's not our job. The Imperials are the opposite. They're, they're yeah. directly influencing the galaxy. So think of it this way. So the, if the three emissaries say it's not our job to be involved, and then the blue emissary says, I'm going to get involved because I think it's important. And in doing that, that's what releases the Imperials. And that's the sin. That's the problem. Mm. Because he broke the rules, in my eyes, this is just the way I wrote it. It might sure. change so long. But in my eyes, because he got involved in a way that he shouldn't have, this is the consequences for that. He, Like you said, if you don't get involved, you can't get stabbed in the back by one of your blue, blue Power Rangers. Yep. So if he doesn't do that, it doesn't create the Imperials. And the Imperials are the exact opposite. They are people who literally they go in and they shape reality. They shape the world. They're kind of based a little bit on, um, in my eyes, that's probably too much. They're based a little bit on the shadows from Babylon 5. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I love, the, I love the idea of the shadows. I thought the shadows, J. Michael Shinsky is like, was my original OG that I like read everything <laughs> he did. And so I loved his concept of, of these monsters that were like chaotic monsters that like saw war as a way, saw, saw death and destruction as birth. Mm. Like, and I thought that was something I wanted to implement in the Imperials. So one small thing I, I, I wanted to ask, I had this early on in my notes, but I didn't know if I could bring it up, but then you mentioned Star Trek. So like in issue four of Mighty Morphin, there's a line where Billy's like, I need 47 more seconds. Do you know about the whole like Star Trek 47 thing? And is that like a reference to kind of like an in-joke to that? I really wish I could say yes and look really smart here. What's, what is it? Maybe I do. And it was like subconscious. I know Daphne is like a big Star Trek fan, right. so so maybe it's that. But basically, the uh, some of the early writers of uh, the Next Generation 
they went to a college where there was like a kind of like a joke club. It was called the 47 club. And instead of like the answer to the universe being 42, like uh hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy, right, yeah. they said it was 47. <laughs> so in all these next generation and the rest of the star Trek series to follow 47 appears like in dialogue, like 47 seconds or they're 47 meters away or like on screens or in props, like 47 is everywhere. And that's kind of like their little in joke. So I saw like 47 and then in Mighty Morphin nine, when I was, when I was reading that Zella's doing pushups and she's like 46, 47. And I'm like, there it is again. <laughs> you know what? Maybe it's somebody, cause I grew up on a lot of Star Trek. I love it. And yeah, I, that's where it came from. It's just like that number has been burned into my head. <laughs> Maybe. So I, I, I kind of want to wrap everything up with uh, the big reveal on Hartunia that Zardis is actually the one controlling the Imperials or they're kind of serving him in some way. And I have no idea. I, like, it's great. Like you kind of see, like once you reread it, you can kind of see like, Oh yeah, his, he feels betrayed that he wasn't picked by Zofram to be the next guardian. And th there's that reveal and he's kind of holding like maybe Zeo crystals. I, I don't know if that's an egg, like the power eggs. It's I'm, <laughs> I'm very intrigued by all that, that last reveal on, on issue eight of power Rangers. Yeah, it, it's fun. Like that was, I hadn't intended to actually reveal it there, but I think I was at one point I was like, it's how many issues have I gotten to this thing and I haven't revealed this? <laughs> Holy crap. Like 16 if you count both of them? Holy moly. Okay, so we should probably do that. But um, yeah, it was something that I I, I wanted, I, I've known from the beginning that I always wanted Zardis to be sort of the, mm -hmm. sort of the dark mirror to, to Zordon a little bit. But it was sort of this idea of like, you know, he hasn't been home in a really long time. So like, yeah. what's, what's Eltar like? And um, with, him gone like it's possible that it's not the beautiful utopia that he remembers it to be mm -hmm. uh, because you know they always say like there's a line i can remember where it was like there's a lot of bodies underneath utopias and stuff like that like like buried like that's how you build you, know, you build great cities with with a lot of you know with a lot of bad deeds yeah. um and so i was like there could be something really interesting about this idea that like eltar's not what he remembers and yet he's still sort of carrying the flag and and believing that it is this perfect place but you've also one of the things if you look in the flashbacks of there's that second scene i think it's in marty Morphin number two mm -hmm. where um uh, zofram is like look i think like i'm now the supreme guardian i think we should expand what we're doing yes to other worlds and they're like that's not our job and it's like yeah but if we leave them be they are going to get eaten up and those guys are going to end up being like for every place that we say it's a little bit of my commentary on the uh prime directive a little bit if yeah you think about it, this idea that like we don't involve ourselves with that world until they're we're, we're privy. it's like okay cool but what happens if the klingons come in and just take it over exactly and so like that's a that, that, when you have there's the best intentions of not getting involved but when the other side doesn't play by the same rules like you're risking that. And I thought there was something, I just liked the, the moral problem or the moral conflict of that. And so Zofram is saying like, that's the yeah. point. We have to expand. It's that concept of, I mean, I'm also dealing in a little bit of the whole, you know, nationalism thing of this idea of like, just mm -hmm. protect your home and let everybody else's, everybody else screw them, right? But that's like, that. you can't do that. When you have, right. like, like maybe that's my liberalism in me, but it's like the idea of like, we're all on one planet. We're all sort of existing in one thing. You should, you should go do that. Anyways, my long story short, I apologize, is like, that's the point Like they're saying that 
but you can also see how that concept of we should go protect everybody could also be mm. there's a line that one of the altarians says which is like we we'll give you the power to go and protect those worlds but make sure that in fighting the monsters we don't become a monster ourselves yeah and, and that is that is what zardis is mm-hmm. in, is sort of the the darker side of let's go protect everybody it's like what if they don't want your protection do you force them so it's like, that's the complicated right. stuff that I really like about the idea of what Eltar can be. I, I know, I mean, some people are gonna probably be mad, be like, oh, how dare you not make Eltar perfect? It's like, yeah, but isn't it more interesting when it's not perfect? Because what's, re- right. what's more realistic? And you can ask more interesting questions that way. So that, that's the thing that I like about the idea that Zardis might use the Imperials mm-hmm. and look at these Imperials and go, okay, how can I use those things? And what would I use them for? And should I use them and all that stuff? So we'll get into all that stuff as you go sure. forward. Yeah, but like that's that's the fun part about about this. And I, it's so funny you, you bring up a lot of these issues, and I'm like, man, that was like six months ago. <laughs> I wrote that like a year ago. Like I, I really got to do oh. shorter six, four to six issue stories, and then like get out of there because I, I even I lose track because you as you were pitching all the different mythology that I've built out. It's like sometimes I lose track of it all. I'm like, yeah. man, I really have like I even created Zeon. You know, like I created oh, there's a whole mm-hmm. bunch of stuff. Yeah. One last question I wanted to ask, just kind of this this overall theme. What Mighty Morphin and, and Power Rangers is doing, there's this theme that I've noticed of leaders that are unsure of themselves. We've got Tommy kind of questioning his leadership. And at one point he says to Aisha, you'd lead the team better than I do. And you also get that with Jason and and Trini, she's questioning Jason's motives and Jason's questioning himself. There's that whole point in the horrid issue where he almost wanted Z to come up with the plan. (laughs) And I think it's fascinating that there's this theme where at one point in Necessary Evil, Tommy and Jason were coming to blows because they each thought they were doing the right thing. And it's interesting to see it come full circle where both of them are going through the same questioning of themselves as leaders and they're unsure of themselves being a leader and then it ties right back into Zordon because now he's questioning everything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny you said that because I'm literally like I have a, I have a, a spreadsheet in front of me. Or not spreadsheet, but I have a, a script in front of me right now that literally has a scene <laughs> that is about <laughs> that exact thing. And I was like, oh, that means it's a theme. Um, but I think, Nick, look, some of that might just be, you know, writers write what they know. And as yeah. somebody who's been trying to write Power Rangers and sort of been, quote unquote, leading it for a little while, like there's definitely moments where I look around going, I'm sure someone else could do a better job than this. But I also think that, like, I think it's really funny. You realize, I didn't realize that. That might just be my, like, reflexes. But you both got you got two leaders of two different teams both looking at the yellow ranger and going i think you're yep. a better job than me but also young female like yes. these empathic people who understand like i look at like i look at trini and, and aisha and sort of the, they're sort of cut from the same cloth i look at aisha as somebody who is a little suspicious of people she's a mm-hmm. little bit more guarded she always sort of is waiting for their shoe to drop if you ever notice reading and this is a spoiler for people who read the books whenever aisha has an issue or is worried about something it's probably coming like Pay she, attention. Yep. She's very in tune to that stuff because she just knows 
she's the one who's like i remember the first i remember i wrote the scene where like when the mega rangers show up in necessary evil after like jason got his butt kicked by kaya yeah and they come in and they were like oh my god what happened and aisha goes where's your blue ranger like it was the first <laughs> thing out of her mouth like yep. she was like did he did she kick the crap out of you like she just knew uh anyway so like i like the idea that she's and I think that's that's a good leadership quality. This idea of somebody who sees mm-hmm. bad things coming down the line and is suspicious of stuff, and but smart about it and knows when to talk and when to not stuff. I like that. And I think with Trini, I've always seen Trini as somebody who is very, very in tune with other people's um, yeah. emotional state. And she knows when to pick you up and when not to. Like she knows when, that's her job in a lot of ways is to sort of, she, she, I've always looked at her as like the smart number two. The one that's like, she's the, like, look, could she be the leader of the Power Rangers? Uh, Mega Rangers, 100% she could. Um, yeah. I think you saw a little bit of that in the color swap I did with Gogo a long time ago. Like she's good at that and she could do it. But I also think she knows if you saw in the Onyx run that I did when she was in charge and she led them and in the battle. someone died. Someone died. Like that's why she doesn't want to do it because she's going to internalize that stuff because yep. that stuff really matters to her. Yeah. So like, I think that you're definitely seeing the storylines that I'm trying to play out. Mm-hmm. I got accused by somebody of making the books a little, uh, was it like, they're very like solemn recently. And I was like, I don't know if they're solemn. I just see them as like, these are people dealing with real problems and real stakes. And when you deal with real problems, yeah. real stakes, I try to keep them light. I try to keep them funny and I try to put jokes in the stuff, but I do feel like as you get farther along in the storyline, it should get darker. It should get harder. It should get heavier because that means that things matter more. I, I think that's just the way I was looking at it. Yeah. I, I hopefully I'm keeping, I think I still make enough goofy jokes but oh i could uh read adam and uh <laughs> and rocky jokes all day i i love those two as like kind of the more goofball uh mighty morphin rangers they're, they're I, great I would, if i could i would do a buddy cop movie or buddy cop episode of goldar and rocky on an adventure together i think oh. that would be so much fun <laughs> the one where where they got captured and and rocky's like poke me with that one more time and goldar just goes poke and i freaking died when i read that that was incredible that was great they're so perfect together like i just go together would just be such a funny like at some point i'm gonna have to pair them up i don't know they're so much fun but yeah, a lot of the themes that you're talking about a lot of the leadership stuff a lot of the a a lot of the insecurity stuff i think that just comes out of um that's that's just um, I think one thing I was really I didn't realize is like if you watch if you go back and read a lot of Mighty Morphin, like Tommy is very very supportive of Zordon. Yeah, like, he's like the one who's like Zordon's right, Zordon's right. You know why Zordon's right? Zordon's right. And I was realizing it's because Zordon, based and I realized it came from when I wrote Mighty Morphin when Zordon said, "I'm giving you the white power because I believe in you." Yeah, and it was the first, and he'd been discarded as an he's an orphan who had been manipulated by the first his first real mother, right? Because his, his first yep. Supercarita. And then lost his powers and lost his family. And then Zordon came to him and said, I know you, you, and you doubt yourself and you worry about everything that you've done. I'm telling you, I know who you really are and I know you deserve this. And because he basically chose Tommy after yeah. everything that he'd done, forgiven him, gave him and given him the best power that he had. I think in that moment, I think that's the moment where he basically says, I am right or die with that guy. I am yeah. going to support every single thing he says because he believes in me and I believe in him. It's like that thing which your mom tells you you're the, you're your favorite. You're going to be like, <laughs> well, she's got to have good judgment. So like that's the way that I saw it. Like He's right or die with Zordon. Oh, man, that's that's great. Ryan, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and again to talk with me. Are there any upcoming appearances or, or signings that, that you can announce that 
people can look out for? Well, first off, thanks for having me on here, man. I do, yeah. I will say this, like, it's always nice to talk about the books, especially with you. Cause you ask really introspective and smart questions. And like, and what's nice is for me, sometimes just saying this out loud, it's like real, like I'm guaranteed well, I'm gonna, when we were done here, I'm going <laughs> to sit down and start writing again. Cause it, it, you crystallize some of the things like, cause I'm having to articulate it. Yeah. Like it, it really helps me write. It helps me realize, Oh wow. I, this is the story I'm telling. And this is the things that I, they, these are the things that are coming across that people actually that you're, you're, you're saying, Oh, I saw that. I found that. I'm like, Oh good. That means that's in there. So mm-hmm. like, it's a very helpful to me. So it's, it's, I, I couldn't be more thankful for, and, and also, you know, it's oh, thanks, nice to talk about the books that you spend so much time. And I said, yeah. my dog is tired of having me tell him about Zordon. You really <laughs> got to be tired of it. Wait. Like, yeah. wait, wait, wait. So in, in my, th- that's why I like, cause I mean, p- people have already read Mighty Morphin nine by now, but that whole thing when they're yeah. in the dog park, is that because of your dog? That's because I got a new dog, man. That's awesome. <laughs> I was literally, I got a new dog and I was like <laughs> thinking about stuff and I was like, oh, well, I'm going to put a dog park in this storyline. It was also because um, there's a line in that. Oh God, I'm going to get in trouble for this. There's a line. If you look at the first, when they go to the dog park, there's one of the girls who goes like, is that dog a rescue? Our dog's a rescue. Did you get a rescue? And like... <laughs> And I laugh so hard because like everybody that we talk to is like the first thing out of their mouth is like, did you get a rescue? And I'm just like, holy smoke. When did getting an animal turn into like a, a moral judgment on whether right. or not, like, you know, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So like, I definitely wanted to um, put the whole dog park experience into the comic book. And I just like the idea of also a putty deciding, disguising itself as, as a, a dog a and a dog. It's <laughs> yeah. both. They're connected by the, la- it's, it's actually, I think it was like a Doctor Who, there was a Doctor Who episode <laughs> that I did that. And I was like, I love that. I'm stealing that. So. Putty dog face is, yeah. is terrifying. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of terrified of that. Oh, yeah. Putty pup, putty pups. Yeah. Putty so, pups. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so, so thank you. But uh, regarding uh, signings, uh, not yet. I think I'm going to be in Grand Rapids uh, for a signing in September because that's when things start to kick off. But um, I, if, if anybody wants, I will, as I start to confirm signings, because um, sure. I am going to again uh just check me out on twitter at at, at that ryan parrot on twitter and i'll have some stuff on there for you awesome so uh for our listeners at the time of this episode's release mighty morphin issue nine and power rangers issue nine are out now you can find print copies of both of those issues at your local comic shop by using comicshoplocator.com to find the nearest one to you or you can go to Boom Studios web store. Digital copies can also be purchased from content providers like Comixology, iBooks, Google Play, and Kindle. Ryan, thank you once again for being on Ranger Command and thanks for uh, taking the time. This was a lot of fun. My pleasure, man, it's the best. Absolutely. All right, everyone, thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one. You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour only on the Four Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at RangerCommandPH. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks for listening.